arrived from Jerusalem, as I said before, just moments before the beginning, the onset of Lagba Omer here in Eretz Yisrael. Lagba Omer, Tavshin Pe Aleph, Thursday night in Jerusalem. And the Rebbe and I were just discussing what our plans were going to be tonight. So the reason why I asked to make the Zoom Shmuz at 12 instead of 1, because at 1 o'clock, which is going to be followed, which is going to be following my river of Sturmbachschlitz is going to be lighting up the Madura in front of the base Knesset Hagra in Harnov. And there's going to be klezmers and there's going to be singing and there's going to be ch- children. And a year ago, it was a whole different thing. Lag Bomer, you know, we couldn't go up to Maron. I'm not going up to Rome this time also. You got to be crazy to go up there anytime, <laughs> but <laughs> to go up. Um, and uh, it's really, I, you know, what I really think about Lagba Omer is that it's partially, it's like, you know, it's like partially based upon Kabbalah and Zohar and Minig. And then it's partially based upon that Jews like to be py- pyromaniacs. And I think I remember very clearly that the Ner Yaakov guys, they like were machmir when they came to pyromania. And uh, for them, it was a great opportunity. I'm sure everyone remembers some sort of, you know, some years I know we went to Maroon, some years we went to Maroon early, some years I know we had bonfires in the backyard, front yard. There were bonfires all the time. We never came to near Yaka. There always were bonfires somewhere. But the Lag Beimer, Lag Beimer, it's the Rip Shimon, Rip Shimon, Rip Shimon. And uh, it also comes on the heels of, Every year for me, it's like somehow this like connection because it's my father, all of us home's yard. So this year it's the 33rd yard. So as I've, you know, publicized for the island, which is really hard for me to believe that it's 33 years. But for me, my father, all of us is the source of a lot of inspiration for myself. And I think for Nir Yaakov and now the Yeshiva Teres Yaakov, you know, it's all named after my father. And I think about that, that how uh, my father brought into the world a certain light I brought into the world a certain light and that light is being carried forward and it's continuing and it's continuing, you know, all the guys that went through near Yaakov and their families and yeah, yeah, I can just go on and on. Tremendous amount of nachas from, 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 from everyone, everyone, everyone's doing what everyone's building, what everyone's trying. And now the new yeshiva also the same type of reflections of just being able to continue the, the pathway of, something that's connected to the light of Torah, you know, connected to the light of Torah. And I had a discussion today. I had a, one of the rabbis didn't come in today. So I had come to the yeshiva and usually I have a chabrusa and I prepare, have a little time to prepare for the, um, for the uh, shmooze that I was going to give today. And today, a certain rabbi didn't come up. He's like a really exciting young rabbi. And he's usually he's got a, all the young guys, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to compare the two, but like he has like Lahavdil, almost the guys who might've gone to Rabbi Ackerman here outside. You know, that's the kind of guy. He's a little bit different, but no smoking and stuff like that. But um, but he's got a, a bit of a great group of guys. So I gave a shir to them, and I really spoke about the Gemara in Shabbos. So the Gemara in Shabbos is really the source of the whole story of the Shimon Bayochai. And uh, as we all know, it's in Shabbos. Just to remember, it's Shabbos Lamed Gimel. You, know, you can't get any greater remedies than that. The Lag Bayer. It's Shabbos Lamed Gimel. So it's just like sit, sits out in front of you. So just to recap the story, and such a, it, the truth is when you look at it, like we remember it, okay, you guys have, have some familiarity with it, that you know, Rav Shimon Bar was hidden in a cave, 
for 12 years from the Romans. That much, everyone remembers. No one remembers really what was, what was before that. Really what before that was, is that there was the Romans, they um, had, um, they, they were like publicized, hey, listen, we did a lot of great things. We built bridges, we built marketplaces, and Rib um, Shimon he said, oh, you know why you built those things? You built those things. You know why you built marketplaces? You didn't build it because you wanted to make commerce. You built it for znus, which is a pretty harsh statement to make. You built it for znus. And, 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 and everything that you made was really all for yourselves. You made bridges. You all just wanted it for yourself. You had no intent at all, the way I'll put it, to really help society in a spiritual dimension. It was really, if you think about the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire was an empire. It was Western culture. It's what we're all based upon. But in the end of the day, the, the dominating factors behind it, this is what Rupshun Bayechai said. You know, uh, so there was a- Rabbi, I just had a, I had a quick question. I was wondering, does Rabbi, yeah. it's Toby Harwood's calling. Did, did, does Rabbi think, was there any people that speak, did Rupshun was he too harsh on the Romans or was he right on the spot? So that's just they do this like this. So one of the, the boys were asking this question. I said, it's like it sounds like a very harsh response. You know what I mean? Like I said, like that's really what the whole tachlis is. So I think yeah, you, you recognize that it's not a simple gemara. It's not a simple gemara. That's the first thing. It's not a simple gemara. On the surface, it sounds like a pretty harsh response. Like everything that the building is only for that tachlis. The truth is, there's a similar gemara though. That the gemara says that that the whole purpose of avodah was also for zenos. Also, that's like a very hard gemara to understand because on the surface, it's Avodah Zorah. The answer is, if you really get into the linchpins of Avodah Zorah, in the end, it's really all about personal satisfaction. And in the bottom line, personal satisfaction, which is I don't want to take upon myself the ol and the yoke of a supreme command. I want to make my own God, right? I mean, I want to make it the way I like it to be. You know what I mean? The God of love, right? The God of hate, you know, the God of money. You know, I want to make it the way I want to make it. So in the end of the day, I'm really serving. It's self-serving. And self-serving, in the end of the day, what happens is, is that man is a beast. Man is a beast. And within that beast, there's a lot of, um, of taiva. So I think that that's one way to understand the Gemara. But I want to, I want to look at it a little bit further. I want to just, you know, just, I can't go into everything in detail, but let, let, let's leave that as a question and a possible insight. Uh, I'm going to say over Reb Tzaddik in a minute, because maybe Reb Tzaddik will give us a little bit of a better insight into it in a second. But then the Gemara says that the Romans decided, uh, so there was a Malshin, and the Malshin went to the Romans and said that the rabbis are speaking against the, against the government. And um, and what happened was they, they, sent out the, um, they sent out the sheriff posse to get him. So what did he do? He went with his son and he hid in a base of Medrash. I guess for some reason in those days, they didn't go looking at Bata Medrashim. And he was learning in the base of Medrash, and his wife would come every day to give him food, and he didn't leave the base of Medrash. Him, the son was sitting. His son was Rebeliezer. And then finally, um, Reb Shimon saw that the, the, they were they were make, they were tightening the screws, and he said, "Nashim daiten kalis," which means that they're soft. It's not easy for them to maintain themselves. And he was afraid they were going to go and take her, and they were going to torture in order to, to get her to reveal where he was hiding. So he decided he has to take a drastic uh, move. And that's when he went to the Ma'ara. And he went and he hid himself in a cave in the Galil. You remember, the Romans were in the Galil. And he hid himself in this cave. 
ended up being there for 12 years, 12 years. And he was away from his family. His wife didn't know where he went. And 12 years, what happened? They, um, Rabbanus made a nest that there should be a, a, a spring of water, fresh water, and there should be a tree of boxer, of harubs. Today, we get the old boxer and we go a little crazy. But they got it, and that was their sustenance. And the Gemara said they only had one pair of clothes, or two set, one pair of clothes. And during the daytime, when they were learning, they would cover themselves in the sand, cover themselves in the sand in order to learn. And they only put on the, the begadim for tefillah, and I think on Shabbos as well, for davening and, and for Shabbos. That way they could save the clothes. It's very interesting. You know, that's also, that begs a little bit of interpretation, which I don't have the answer for right now. Like, what's, what's, what's the deeper meaning behind that? And then the Gemara says they're there for 12 years, and we know what the Rib Shimon and the son learned. They learned Kola Kula, and they got into the depths of Torah, and they learned Kabbalah, and they ended up, ended up, according to what we understand, that that's when he authored the, the Zayar, the Zayar Kaddish. The Zayar Kaddish. The Zayar Kaddish, generally, just to go off, it's not, not so simple. There's those that take, that take, um, um, there's a Shiloh, but if Shimon really wrote the Zayar, other people wrote the Zayar that come later. That you got to go into the Chaikrim, you got to ask them. I'm not an expert, but I do have a little bit of information that it's not so simple. But the simple understanding is that Shimon wrote the Sefer Zayar. The Tanner of Shimon Aliki. And um, what happens is they're there for 12 months, 12 years. And finally, a Baskal goes out, and the Baskal says, the, the Roman Empire, the Tsar, the Tsar, the, the Caesar, he died. And in those days, whenever the Caesar died, that means they would rescind all of the, the previous decrees and you can go out free. So Rip Shimon and the son go out. And this they were in such a high level. And this, the truth is, this is really a, a more difficult question. There was such a high level of Rukhna. They were living 24-7. They were living Mamash with the Rabbani Shalom. They had no outside influences. They were just involved with Torah and Avaida, and 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 they were being supplied from the rabbinus. And they saw clearly they were living on on Nisim time. They didn't have to be mishtadel or anything. The rabbinus were taking care of them. And uh, when they came out, they saw people planting and reaping. Zeria Ketsira, and they said, "This is what people are being Isaac in. People are being Isaac and Chaye." Shaw, instead of Chaya Olam I guess they didn't think that people were learning Dafayami or people were doing other things, yeah. And uh, all they saw were people involved in commerce and making money. And the Gemara says, everywhere they looked with their eyes, everything started burning up. And the Rabbanishim says, what, you came out to go and destroy my world? Yeah, go back into, go back into the Mara. And one of the Talmudim today asked, them, they really had like this Superman X-ray vision to be able to do that? And I said, that's a whole schmooze. Uh, that, needs a, that needs a separate discussion. It's a good cash. But, that, but that's the simple understanding is they, everything they looked turned into fire. They burnt everything up. So they went in for another 12 months. And the shot of going into another 12 months was to somehow bring themselves down to the level of now that you can enter into the world because you're in such, you know, I'll give the muscle. It's like after Shana Bay's near Yaakov, guys right and they come back home with their hats and jackets and their parents aren't from and they want to take the television set and throw it out you know what I mean? because you know we're firmer than thou you know you get the picture right you get the picture so now you got to get back and you got to learn how to somehow live in the world 
and you got to do it. So then it says they, they went out again, and Rebbe Lezer, he didn't learn the lesson. What did he do? Every time, every single person that he saw, he looked at them, and they got sick. And Rebbe Shimon had to give them refuah. So Rebbe Shimon somehow had, was able to, tra- to transpose himself into this normalcy, but Rebbe Lezer was still holding to be the Hesu Yeshiva Bacher. And he was the Kanoi, and he said, everybody else has got to get sick. And then um, they both saw on Erev Shabbos, they saw a Yid walking around with two bundles of Adasim. Two bundles of Adasim. And, um, and they said to him, why do you need two bundles of Adasim? Why do you have this one bundle? He says, one's connected Zohar, and one's connected Shomer. They said, all of a sudden, the light bulb went off. They said, ah, ah, now we understand. You live in the world. And you take the world, you make, you, you, build, you, you plant hadasim, means you plant physical things, you do commerce, but you glorify and you use it in order to raise up the world to be able to be Zohar V'Shamer Dekayidin. And that's the way they were able to live. And from that time and onwards, Rib Shimon and Rebbe were back into the world. It's a very interesting, interesting concept. But the, I just pointed, so I said like this, the major kasha is, is that really what was Rav Shimon and what were they thinking when they came out? I mean, they weren't stupid people. I mean, they, they learned Torah. They learned Kola Torah Kula. They, they did the Zayar. What's the pshat that they were so like against anything of, of Gashmius into the world? What's the pshat? And, 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 and so I saw someone brought down a very interesting, there's a Gemara in Tainus. Take a look at the Gemara in Tainus. The Gemara in Tainus is a fascinating Gemara. Do you think that Gemara was difficult? Listen to this Gemara. Maisa Shabar Reb Elazar Reb Shimon Mi Migdal Gedud Mi Beis Rabbi. The Gemara says this same Reb Elazar, the son of Reb Shimon, he came, he came back from the base Medrash on his Rebbe. V'hayorach of Alachamor is riding on a donkey. Umetayel Asfasinar he was riding on the side of a river. All of these different things need an explanation. I'm not going to go into them. The Samach. Simcha Gedoyla. He had a big Simcha. Rashi says he was, he went under, he was being metal because he, he was in an exalted, elevated, happy mood. Why was he in a happy mood? He was very, very like, I'll use the word haughty. He was in an exalted mood because he had learned a lot of Torah. You know, to put it into paraphrase, you can imagine you, you, you went to Brisk and you went to Rabbi Avram Yeshua's shear, right? And you slugged up Rabbi Avram Yeshua. You know what I mean? And you come out of the base of Medrash. How do you feel? <laughs> you know, I, I, I hopped to Rabbi Avram Yeshua in this year. You know, a guy could feel like that, right? He was, okay, I'm just paraphrasing. I'm sure there's a lot more depth to it. And then the Gemara says, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he sees somebody who is horribly ugly. That's what the Gemara describes it. Rashi says, who was this? It was Eliyahu Novi. And the reason was because Eliyahu Novi wanted to give him Musr, said Rashi says. Because Rebbe Lazar had a shikol gaiva over here. And he turns to him, this ugly person, according to the simple interpretation, says, Rebbe, how you doing? How you doing, Rebbe? So Rebbe Lazar was on the donkey and he's looking at this person and he says, I'm not going to answer this person. And he says to him, you empty fool, how ugly are you? 
Now you can everybody said when I said this over the to my guys in the yeshiva today, what kind of language is that? What was her blood saying? You're so ugly. Like who would say that horrible, horrible thing? That's what he said. He says, you know what? Maybe you come from a place that all your, your townspeople also, they're ugly like you. So the person said back to him, he's really all lovey, said back to him, you know, I don't know what to tell you, you know, rabbi, but if you have a complaint about me, go to the complaint department, go to the person, go to the entity that made me and tell him that he made me ugly, which means basically drop dead and go to the Rabbanisham, and there you'll ask that complaint. The Rabbanisham made me, this is who I am. And it's, it's like so uncouth what you said to me. So all of a sudden that hit into Rebbe Lazar like a, like a lightning bolt. Kivan Shiyoda Ba'atzma Shechata, Sonsi, so, wow. This guy gave me a real schmooze, you know what I mean? He thought he was like the shlugging up of Ram Yeshua Shir, and he's in a great mood. And all of a sudden he said something which was completely, completely wrong. And this guy put him, put him on the spot. So he jumps off of the donkey and he bows, he gravels on front of him. And he says, please beg, he begs, begs for Mechila. Begs for Mechila. He says, I'm not going to give you, the guy said, I'm not going to give you Mechila until you go to the Uman Shasani. When you go up to heaven, yeah, means when you leave this world, you go up to heaven, you'll ask the Rabbanu Shalom, right? And you'll ask him why he made me like this. So it was like crazy. Rabbi Lezer was like dumbfounded. So they were walking towards the town where Rabbi came from. And Rabbi is standing beside him the whole time. They come into the town. And Rabbi was a big Talmud Chacham. He was kind of read the Rav of the Shtat. So the whole shtetl came out to meet the Rebbe. And they see him. And they say to him, Shalom Aleichem, Rabbi Meiri. They give him the great exclamation. So this Ani, this supposedly ugly person, says to them, what do you, this is who you call your Rebbe? I want to tell you a little bit. If he's your Rebbe, al there shouldn't be any Rabbanim like him. He is the worst of the worst. So they turned to him, they wanted to rip his head off. They said, what are you saying about? Such a great Tamachacham. So he says, he told them the whole story, what happened. So they were now also, wow, I can't believe that the rabbi said this. So they said to him, no, please be Michael, even though he made this mistake, he's an Adam Gadol B'Torah. So the Gemara says, you know what? Because of you, uh, because, of, because of you, the Tzibur, I'm going to be Michael him. And he was Michael him. And then the Gemara says, Miyad Nichnas Rebbe Lazar ben Reb Shimon Vadarash. Then he would dash in the thing, Lo'olam ye Adam Rach, a person should always be soft like a reed. Don't be hard like an eris. Now this Gemara is just like completely, completely off balance. What was Rebbe Lezer thinking when he was saying this? What was, what was the whole Masamatna over here? What's the lesson for us? And why does it all of a sudden change to be Rach Kikana? There's a cash at the end of the Gemara. There's a famous passage. We say it every Leil Shabbos. Tzadik Katoma Yifroch. What is a tzaddik supposed to be like? It's supposed to be like a cedar. It's supposed to be like an Aries. And over here, it says it should be rach kakana. It should be soft. Well, which one is it? Soft or, or hard? Which one is it? That's a kasha. It's a big kasha. And who are we talking about over here? We're talking about that same Rebelezer Bib Shimon. So we see that somewhere there's a connection between Rebelezer here and Tainus. And this Rebelezer Tainus will give us an understanding of the Gemara. 
in Shabbos when it speaks about the, they're both coming out. I'm going to put it, I'm going to paraphrase it and make it like this. Reb Tzaddik says, chat like this. Reb Tzaddik says, Chas V'shon to say that a Belazer would call a person that's not handsome, call him ugly. Just It just goes against every single grain of any understanding of any human being. And no matter where he was holding, he wouldn't have used such terminology. He says differently. Rebbe Lazar had a tremendous kayach of chachmas haparzuf. He was able to see what was inside of people. And what he saw was a mechur b'yoyser meant to say a disgusting person in his personal moral compass. And he saw a person that was living a life of degradation. He was hanging around the Beis Zainus. That's what he saw in Eliyahu Navi's form over here. It was really Eliyahu Navi, but that's what he was able to perceive. And therefore, it was to him a big chutzpah. A person that comes, that, that it's hanging around the Beis Zainus, is coming along and is treating me like a friend, Shalom Alecha, Rebbe, like, hey, how you doing, pal? So that's why he chastised. He says, and, and the only thing he could say to him is, you, Mistama, the only reason why you are like this is because you're in a society which is dealt, which is which is like that. You're hanging around a society. That's what they hang it. That's what they do. I'll go off on a tangent for a second. We all know. We take a look at the news that's going on. We see the you know the 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 unveiling of human society in America of people who, on one hand, can. Uh, publicize themselves as being, you know, outstanding people and everything else, but in their own personal lives, okay, they live a very, very uh, ugly, ugly life. And the world today is becoming more involved with opening up that that facade, which has been in Western culture that, you know, you look a certain way and everything's all right, but really you could live a life which is really completely immortal and completely, you know, something which is the way the Romans lived. You know, that's the only way to describe it. So the Vart was like this. This is this the Vart. The Vart is Rib Shimon and Ribelezer, they had to create a society which was a Zayardika society. Because that's what they had to create and bring into the world. They had to bring that light into the world. But there's a danger sometimes when you're creating such a potent level of pristine Kedusha to such an extent that you lose sight of the human failings and the human qualities and the nisyanis that people go through. And therefore, when they first came out from the kever, they came out from the mara, they saw the world and they said, people are just being Isaac in in Yoni Olam Hazah and they have no connection to Olam Haba and they burnt everything because it just, it wasn't what they wanted to create. They wanted to create a Ruchniyistik Anoylam, and this is not a Ruchniyistik Anoylam. And the Rav says, no. You know, I'm going to stop for a second. It's a mic that I heard over just, just yesterday. There was a, a, a person in Shari Chesed, an older person. And he saw on Shabbos, he was walking with his younger children. His children were younger than him. He was an older person. And he was carrying like two bags of soda or something like that. Coming back from a kiddush or something like that. Now he had sons who were married. Now these sons were very from. And they didn't hold the veneruv. So he was, carrying the, he was carrying the bags. 
And if some Azamah was looking at this and he said he couldn't believe children are sitting next to their father, elderly father, and they're not carrying the bags. Why? Because they have a chumrah that they don't carry in Arabs. They hold like the Chazanish. Ripsalam Azamah for three days couldn't give shir. He was so distraught that people don't understand the balance of what you have to have in life. For sure, there's a place to have a chumrah. But there's a place where you have to understand that the chumrah is an Isra Gomor. Because you're being And this was the question of how Rip Shimon and Rip Lezer are going to come back into the world. We said before that the, it says, what did Rebbe Lezer have to learn? Rebbe Lezer have to learn is, you know what? My Midas Hadin, which is what he looked at, but in the end, of this person to see what kind of Sionis he has, where is he holding, and what is he doing? What's he accomplishing? I, I'll give you a marshal. Last night, the Rebbe and I went to be, to be Menachem Oval, a, 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 a Balchuba who lives here in Harnov, a person that learned in, in Machon Shlomo, and he um, and his father passed away, and he, he he's, he's an unbelievable guy. He, he's been, he's dedicated his life to Torah on his own, and he married a wonderful, wonderful girl. His father was a reform rabbi, reform rabbi. So you know what? You could say he was a reform rabbi, and 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 and, and you know what did he accomplish in life? He was a reform rabbi. But he was telling over stories about how his father, the reformed rabbi, was like a traveling salesman. He would go, he wasn't, he had a, he had a one point he had a 700 member, a 700 family or 700 member community shul. And another time he would travel, he was a ballader. He would go like for, I guess on Shabbos, I can't say what he, why, you know, what the, no heter, but he would play songs, Shabbos songs to people individually in their, in their houses. And he said, he never ever intentionally married into conservative background. And halakhically, he tried to keep things as kosher. And there's no question he brought to some people, many people, he brought them a Jewish content. Now, I'm not going to tell you halakhically, oh, we can go and condone a reform rabbi. But you have to take a look at everything in its perspective. We live in a world where you can't just be black and white. You can't just be black and white. You have to notice different shades. And if you hear, this is what the lesson. The lesson is like, you got to be rach kekoneh. The lesson made a mistake. The lesson made a mistake. He looked at this situation. This is what he had to learn. You can't just come out of the base medrash and take a look at the world and be sorry of it. No, you have to say, oh, what can I do to look at the world and to raise it up, but in a way that people see that the Torah is rach kekoneh. I, it says you should be that's for the person himself. You know, you got, there's a time you got to go into the base medrash and you have to be like a cedar to make sure that when you have that shear, when you have that chabrusa, you're not weak. For yourself, you have to be strong like a cedar. But for the other, for Klal Yisrael, what do you got to be? You got to be the softest and you have to be the best. And all the good that's what he wore. You know, my father, my mother said last night, it's a, he was soft as butter. He could not say a bad word to anybody. I heard today, that my nephew called me and said that he heard, spoke to someone at Kalman Rosenbaum, was a mashkiach, an older Talmud from there in Israel. It's a mashkiach and Rabbi Sentis issue. And he said to him today, he said, oh, 
Your grandfather was my Rebbe in Yeshiva, and he gave the best shir, the best shir. I understood his shir better than any other shir. He was so clear, and he was so good, he was so nice. Rabbi said, in the end of the day, the midas, the midas, the midas, that's what comes out, that's what comes out. And, and, and this is the lesson on Lag Baimer. On Lag Baimer, we have to have this lesson. We have to have the lesson of the day before Lag Baimer, which is the lathes. We have to have the lesson of what we see in Chazal, when we see in Chazal, we have to point it out, but it's not simple. He didn't just call him a Mechur B'yoyser. He was looking at something else, and he had a right at that point in his mind to say, how could you live such a life and, and, and just die to hang around me? Didn't realize every person has Nishayinus. What can I do to help a person? I had a friend of mine who um, is not here anymore with us. His name is Rabbi David Kamenetsky, He's not only he was a friend of mine, but he also was a, a great, great Rav. And eventually we became related because my brother married his younger sister, Mr. Simi, Lif Ni Kamenetsky, all the great children of Dr. Joe Kamenetsky who found the Torah Masorim. And I remember David used to tell me, Rav David had a friend of his who used to come to his house who was a down and out guy. He was a down and out guy. You know, he was a guy who literally, the way I would describe him, he was a Bowery bum. You know what I mean? Alcoholic, didn't have luck. And he would come any time he came to the house. Rebdavid would take him into the house, sit him down, give him a good meal, spend time with him. And that's the way he treated him. And I want to tell you, it wasn't only Rebdavid Kamenetsky. Uh, I, I, I think I read it in the book that uh, Rebchaim uh, Rimzatzal told me over the Maisa with the Chazanish. Chazanish was once a big meeting of, of Gius, all the Gedolim were there, and Chazanish was there, and Rebchaim Brim was from the younger Tamiducham, he was there. And he says, and he remembers that all of a sudden a man came into the room, and the Chazanish, he stopped the meeting. In the middle of the meeting, he went into the kitchen, the Chazanish, and he made a glass of tea. He made the glass of tea, and he sat in the kitchen with this Yid for half hour. And who was this Yid? This Yid was a person who was a big Talmud Chacham, but he had a mental breakdown. He had a mental breakdown. And the Chazanish knew, well, if he's coming to my house, what do I have to do at this moment? I have a big meeting. We're solving all the problems of the world. You know what the problem of the world is? This Yid, this down and out Yid. Okay, what can I do to make him feel that he's also has value and also got worth? Ah, Rav Moshe. Can I make you a glass of tea? Can I make you a glass of tea? Birach kakone. Ah, Rabbi Sai, Bar Yochai, Mishachta Ashrecha, Omri Bekiva, Ashrecha Yisrael. These are the lessons. Chazal, when they teach us lessons, they teach us even about the biggest of the big, they teach us. I saw this in Revolbi. Revolbi writes like this Moshe Rabbeinu is arguing with the Rabbeinu Shalalam. Rabbanishim says, you got to go take out the Jews of Mitzrayim. They're falling. They're going to they're gonna go to the Memtah they're going to go to the Hamishim You're the man. And he's arguing with God for seven days. It's, and, and he gives all kinds of arguments. He said, don't send me, send Aaron. And, and what does HaKadosh Baruch say? Aaron's going to be the speaker. You're going to be the doer. But you got to go. What's going on? What was my Shabbat thinking? God is telling you, take the Jewish people out. Go and do it. Revolbi says, Givaldik, and it's all based upon the Bali Musa, that he was afraid that Aaron would have a kapeda, his older brother, 
who now the younger brother is going to come and take over and is going to be the leader. Until now, Aaron is the one that's with him, Klal Yisrael, he's living it. And now Moshe Rabbeinu is coming in. It's going to be a pagam in his covet. So what does he do? He says to the Rabbeinu Shalom, I can't go. If I'm going to hurt somebody, I'm going to hurt somebody. I'm going to hurt my brother's feelings. I can't do it. I can't do it. And the Rabbeinu Shalom allows him to have that argument for seven days. He doesn't just cut him off right away. It's got to be a process. It has to be a process. I said over, I, I, I was listening to a tape from last year from a different schmooze that I gave, and I said over something from Rav Moshe Feinstein. Rav Moshe said like this, sometimes you have to have machlaikis. What does that mean? There's sometimes there's no choice. You have to fight for whatever it is. You've got to fight for the... Uh, you know, for the, for the, for the, for the, me, you, who the, sometimes you got to fight. You got to fight. Sometimes it, there's a certain situation and you got to stand up for the right thing. But Rav Moshe said, it still doesn't come to Shalom to peace. If there's a way to find peace, the best thing is peace. Sure, sometimes you got to fight it to the end. But you know what? The best thing is if you could do it peacefully. If you can somehow make things better, that's the way to do it. Rabbi said, these are the lessons. Ah, the grace of Shimon. And on the last moments of my father's all of Shalom's yard site, before I go to Davim Marv, before I go to the Lag Baimer Simcha, I want to give everybody a bracha, Mitz Hashem. It should be the light of Rib Shimon. Now we have a different light of Rib Shimon. And we have a, an opportunity to be able to dance and to turn on the music, guys. Rabbi Yashiv Paskin already, you guys are ready to know. From Mincha time and onwards, when, when, when the year comes out like this, he says, you're allowed to make a chasna for minchatan. For minchatan, you're allowed to make a chasna. Wow. So I was thinking that maybe you could start listening to music. I'm not going to be the posig over here. I, I wanted to listen to music, but I didn't, have to, I didn't have a chance to. But I want to give everybody a big yashikayach for being here. And it's great seeing everybody. Thank you for listening to this Foundation's podcast production. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. Thank you and have a wonderful day.